Good afternoon, my AOWs. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're going to talk all about how to treat those bothersome perimenopausal symptoms. If you didn't listen to last week's show, we talked about the common and telltale signs of perimenopause. And in this week's episode, we're going to get into how to actually relieve those symptoms. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. All right. I have tried to start this episode a bunch of times. And if you know anything about my show, I usually do it raw, unedited. You hear what I say, but... For some reason, the first couple of times I started to start this episode, it just sounded like garbage. So something's off today with just my, my skills here. So bear with me. All right. Something really cool happened yesterday. I got Galleys or Advanced Readers Edition copies of my book, Unlock Your Menopause Type in the mail. And it was so real. Actually, I got the box and I was like, I should be filming an unboxing. And I was like, no, 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 I'm too excited. So I open it and then I just like paused. Like I was worried to like look in the box. I didn't look in the box until the very next day. I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe I was worried I'd be disappointed. Maybe I was worried I'd be too excited and not able to sleep. I don't know what it was, but I opened the box and it was almost just like, it was like a kid when you're waiting for Christmas morning and that feeling, that excitement, that energy is just so palpable and it's like harder to have that type of feeling as an adult, it seems. So I just kind of wanted it to linger. I guess it answered my own question. But it is so wild. It's so wild to see a, that I wrote a book and it's in my hands, just like books that I've read, like other books that I've read, but I wrote this one. It is, it is the weirdest, the weirdest thing. Kind of like when you have a baby, everyone always says like, you have no idea you can love this, this thing so much, or that you fall in love with your baby, if you've ever had a baby. And you're like, wait, I just made this human. This is so weird. Like, I know people do this all the time, but like, whoa, that's, that's really what it felt like when I was holding my book for the first time this morning. And I'm nervous to read it. I've literally read it 50 times at this point, like from start to finish, not including the bajillions of times I read like each chapter or each section as we were going through it. So I've read it so many times, but I'm like scared to just sit down and read it. But also I think that fear is going to dissipate really soon and it's going to become pure excitement. We're talking about perimenopause today, but before I get into perimenopause, I just want to finish with a really important thought. Um, and this is a little heavy and a little bit of a trigger warning here is I do have a sad story, but it's an important one. And um, the story actually is that I, 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 I got a call. Uh, from the spouse of a former patient of mine at the Brigham. Um, and he, he thought about me to call me and say, my wife lost her life to uh, depression. And um, it's very surreal. Um, and it made me think a lot about how, how mental health um, is and menopause are connected and how they're not associated enough with each other. 
And in my book, it's called Unlock Your Menopause Type. And I'm sure you know that if you're an avid listener to the show, you're probably like, shut up. I've heard this a million times. But I talk about the mind-altering menopause type. For my former patient, her mood symptoms really started with perimenopause. Such severe anxiety, and which, which morphed into severe depression. Right. And I think that uh, there are some women who present not with just classic hot flashes and vaginal dryness and night sweats, the classic thing you'd see on a menopause commercial if there was one, but there isn't. And um, it just reminded me that that there's there are so many things, there are so many symptoms of menopause and perimenopause that not enough clinicians are able to put together. And I want to you to think about if you know anyone who's struggling with mental health, um, anxiety or depression specifically around midlife and menopause, and just ask them if they or their doctors have considered hormones or hormonal imbalances as a reason for that. Now, look, I'm not saying that that's the treatment or I know what the treatment is. I I don't. I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Um, I'm just a mere hormone doctor. Um, But I I want to say that... um, that rates of suicide among women in midlife and around the menopause transition are high. And uh, I want us to think about the menopause transition as a huge etiology or even impetus for some of the other things that can change because of the change in hormones, right? Maybe it is just the change in hormones. Maybe it's that plus, plus grief that catches up to you, plus PTSD, plus childhood trauma, plus so many things, right? Anyways, I want to move this into perimenopause because a lot of perimenopausal symptoms are the same or likely to be the similar symptoms you're going to experience in menopause. Sometimes perimenopause is worse than menopause. And actually, your symptoms might even go away over time, which is funny. A lot of people think about menopause as being uh, the time when you have the most symptoms. But for a lot of women, actually, perimenopause can be worse than menopause and vice versa. But perimenopause is absolutely a time when symptoms start to creep in and the anxiety and the depression become real. And not only that, but hot flashes start, painful sex starts, brain fog, weight gain. Again, the same symptoms of menopause just a few years earlier while you're still cycling. I think it is really important to to try, to attempt, right, to think about symptoms or solutions that can help alleviate these symptoms because Not only could it be life or death, uh, but there is no prize or trophy or award for sticking through or sticking it out. There really isn't, unless for whatever reason, that's just a part of what you, a part of you. I also think there are actually dangers to sticking out our symptoms. Our mood can change, right? Uh, we could gain weight. We could uh, have lots of sleepless nights. That could lead to anxiety, depression, libido, divorce, medications. A lot of things can happen if we ignore perimenopause or we don't attempt to treat those symptoms. The sleep is a big one because a lot of women start to fear nighttime, fear going to bed because, oh gosh, I'm just going to go to bed and have this like horrible night's sleep. And then just fearing that entire part of the day, which is a, maybe it, it's definitely not a half. We're not all getting 12 hours of sleep, but you know, it's a third of the day. And um, so let's dive into treatment options for perimenopause. 
The first on the docket is birth control pills. And birth control pills, what they really are is hormone replacement therapy in higher doses than menopausal hormone therapy or MHT. And you never hear birth control pills being called hormone therapy, but that's actually essentially what it is. It's an estrogen and a progestin. It doesn't matter if it's bioidentical or synthetic, but a lot of them are ethanol estradiol and some form of progesterone, often norethindrone. Now, estradiol is what's an MHT, which is actually lower than ethanol estradiol, but who cares? Details. OCPs or oral contraceptive pills uh, prevent pregnancy because of a side effect of what they do. They stabilize your hormones. And when they stabilize your hormone levels, there is no surge of this hormone called luteinizing hormone or LH and no surge of testosterone and no uh, surge of estrogen that causes a follicle to erupt and then be just kind of sitting and hanging out in the fallopian tubes waiting for sperm to penetrate that follicle and create a human in, in layman's terms. Because they stabilize those hormones, a side effect of that is no ovulation, no ovulation, no pregnancy. When you're stabilizing your hormones, this can actually also cause uh, symptoms. It could alleviate either symptoms or it can lead to the things that we just kind of take for granted. For example, birth control pills can lower acne. They can lower the prevalence of acne by actually reducing your free testosterone level, less testosterone, less of that cystic acne. It can also help with facial hair, something that's common in polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, also acne, uh, by actually lowering your free testosterone and reducing facial hair and acne. For a lot of women, birth control pills actually seem to stabilize their mood. In fact, there's a randomized controlled trial uh, showing no difference in mood or weight between women who take birth control pills and women who take placebo. Now, if you were one of those people that said, I took them in college, it caused me to gain all this weight and feel super crazy. I hear you. I get you. And we don't have to use birth control pills. A lot of the times, the dose of estrogen in pills used in the 90s, maybe the late 80s, early 2000s were quite higher than even something like low estrin that's more commonly used now. So sometimes it's a different uh, dose of the estrogen progesterone that we use for birth control pills. And I like to call them your perimenopausal pills and not birth control pills because I think just reducing us to our ability to um, ovulate and, and that's what they're only for is just, just one thinking in like just one lane. So it can help people overall, um, feel better. A lot of times it can help reduce menstrual migraines. It can help reduce PMS. If you're taking these OCPs or contraceptive pills continuously, meaning skipping those placebo pills, chucking that pack and just every day taking an active pill keeps your hormone levels even steadier. In fact, I used to tell my younger women starting on birth control pills to do that because it reduced the chances of pregnancy. So oral contraceptive pills or perimenopausal pills can be used to treat perimenopause, as I indicated, because what they'll do is they'll override your volatile hormones, keep them nice and steady, and can help sometimes with things like mood, irritability, or basically if you feel like you're having PMS on steroids. So you can use low dose oral contraceptive pills, and I would attempt to use them continuously. 
There's no real point in having that placebo week or that break. In fact, it's just a withdrawal from progesterone. That's why you bleed. You don't need to bleed. So we could also stop your period. And it can also serve as contraception because you don't want an unintended pregnancy in your 40s. And yes, it happens. Rarely, but it happens. So we use a little bit lower doses, as I indicated a little bit earlier. So something like Loestrin or a 21 to 91 day pill like Seasonique could be a really good option. Now, what if you're one of those women who say, I just know, I don't want to go back on birth control pills. I hear what you're saying, Dr. Hirsch. I hear you say that they're okay. I hear you say they can help, but like, nope, either I've never taken them before, or I'm just one of those people that have PTSD from college taking birth control pills. So we can use postmenopausal doses of estrogen and progesterone. So oftentimes with perimenopause, I like to try one hormone at a time as opposed to giving you both hormones at a time, because I really think that progesterone and estrogen are like yin and yang, and they can have different effects. They can alleviate some symptoms. Sometimes they can worsen some symptoms. And so it is a really nice time to start with one hormone and then add another. You can actually do this for postmenopausal hormone therapy in bona fide menopause, but we're talking about perimenopause today. So all you perimenopausal ladies, I got you. So I tend to start by thinking about symptoms and what you got to know about postmenopausal hormone therapy is that really estradiol or estrogen replacement is really probably the thing that helps the majority of symptoms, but specifically hot flashes, genitourinary syndrome of menopause and vaginal dryness. Um, It's not FDA approved for things like mood or brain fog, but I really do see estrogen improve these two symptoms every single day. Why it doesn't carry that FDA approval and the money to go through that kind of study and randomize it, it's not going to happen. But clinically, I do see these things improve. Um, And it can even help with things like uh, joint aches and pains, um, concentration. It just helps with a lot of things. Progesterone is the necessary hormone that must be taken if you're taking estrogen, if you have a uterus. So let me say that again. If you're going to take estrogen, uh, through the menopause transition and you have a uterus, you got to also take some progesterone. Without it, you could increase your risk for uterine cancer. With it, you're not going to increase your risk for uterine cancer. Now, just to confuse you, because why not? You can take progesterone without estrogen and that's okay. So why would anyone do that? What does progesterone do? Well, number one, it must be taken if you're taking an estrogen to protect your intact uterus. Number two, sometimes progesterone does relieve some symptoms, specifically that nighttime insomnia where you get into bed and you can't fall asleep and your brain's just like going, going, going. You're thinking about that meeting. You're thinking about that thing you should have said, ba 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 ba. I do this all the time, as, as, especially just with where I am in life. I'm constantly, constantly thinking it is becoming harder and harder to also turn my brain off. And I am aware of this. I am aware, guys, of what is happening. I am aware. I'm deeply aware. So progesterone can help sort of be a natural relaxant. A lot of my patients say progesterone kind of feels like a warm blanket, just kind of just kind of keeps you warm and cozy and can really help with some of that uh, mood, the anxiety, and just the trouble falling asleep and sometimes allow you to get into a deeper sleep. 
Progesterone is the hormone that rises the first trimester of pregnancy. If you were ever pregnant, you might remember just that feeling of like, I'm just going to sit on the couch. I'm just going to watch some TV. Back then, probably it was like, what's on ABC? (laughs) Um, No, all my pregnancies, I'm pretty sure I had Netflix, but who cares? You know what I mean. And progesterone can have that calming effect. Progesterone is a weird hormone though, because about a third of patients love progesterone. Even progesterone alone, I had a patient tell me it was just amazingly life-changing, right? Here I'm like, estrogen does all the good things. She did great with just progesterone. About a third of women actually find progesterone to sort of just have a null effect. Nope, didn't really do anything. Or, you know, I'll just take it because I'm taking estrogen. And about a third of women actually have some progesterone sensitivity, where it actually makes it feel a little bit more irritable or bloated, none of which we want when we're trying to alleviate your perimenopausal symptoms. Now, I should say I'm focusing on micronized natural progesterone, also known as Prometrium, or what it will say in your bottle is just progesterone. There are other formulations of progesterone, I should say, but what I'm really focusing on is micronized natural progesterone in an oral capsule that's taken at bedtime. So if anxiety, if that trouble falling asleep is really the thing that you're starting to notice in and around your late 30s, your 40s, sometimes I'll start you on just Prometrium, that natural micronized progesterone. And then again, I have my patients come back and they'll say, did that work? Did it help? And they're like, yes, it works. Great. Okay, great. You can be on just progesterone. And then we try to figure out what other symptoms are still going on that are not being covered. So is there vaginal dryness? If there's vaginal dryness, we can add vaginal estrogen. You do not need to be postmenopausal or 67 years old starting on vaginal estrogen. You could start on vaginal estrogen postpartum because there's a lot of GSM and low estrogen states postpartum. Vaginal estrogen comes in many different ways, creams like esterase, suppositories like Vagifem or Uvifem. There's bioidentical Invixi, which is estradiol mixed with coconut oil. There's lots of different ways that you can uh, use a topical vaginal product because my motto is sex should never be painful. Once sex is painful, it becomes more and more and more painful. And we just do not want that. That's going to decrease your libido. That's going to decrease your desire. And rightfully so, who the heck wants to do anything that's painful, especially in a sensitive area? No. What if you're still having hot flashes or that brain fog or that cognitive issues? Well, then we try you on some estrogen. And again, I think a lot of a lot of comments I get on social media, specifically over on TikTok, are, you know, my doctor will not prescribe me postmenopausal hormone therapy when I'm still having periods, which is wild because they probably happily give you birth control pills, right? Now we discussed that that's an absolute bona fide AOK treatment for perimenopause. It's just that some women you know, don't want to go back on birth control pills again, don't feel like they need that high of a dose, want to try lower transdermal doses like an estradiol patch or Divigel, which is an estradiol, a cream-based formulation. And there's absolutely no rhyme or reason why you couldn't do this. It is absolutely safe. Now, of course, 
you know, while I'm telling you this, this is direct, <laughs> good time to say this is not direct medical advice. Please consult your physician or please see a physician at Midi Health where I work and we are expanding so fast. We cannot, we, we are starting to like hit that point where I was t- telling our, our, our leadership and our CEO, I was like, this is going to just grow like wildfire. Like we are starting to see that tipping point. So we're open in California. We're open in Massachusetts. We're open in Michigan. We're open in Arizona. We're going to be open soon in like so many states we are hiring so many wonderful NPs that I get to help train, many of whom have been practicing menopause for a long time. Uh, and I was going to say, <laughs> if your clinician is afraid to give you MHT or menopausal hormone therapy and perimenopause, we are not. But, um, you know, it is a really nice, viable option. What I like to use, because this is direct, not direct medical advice, but you can see me, you can see us at Midi, is transdermal estradiol in the perimenopausal period. And uh, if you are still having periods, I really do make sure you're tracking those periods because some of the fear may not just be that it's unsafe, but we want to make sure we don't miss abnormal uterine bleeding. No one wants to miss abnormal uterine bleeding. Abnormal uterine bleeding is really, really common though in perimenopause. I mean, literally almost 99% of women have abnormal periods starting around the years leading up to menopause. It's just, it's a telltale sign of perimenopause. So it's hard to really know when is abnormal uterine bleeding normal or, or when is abnormal uterine bleeding abnormal, right? And if you're tracking these symptoms, you're tracking your periods, you're going to be able to work with your clinician uh, to ensure that the abnormal bleeding is normal. I know it sounds wild, but this is really where, as I'm podcasting, it's hard to give advice on this. And you really want to see a great doctor if you're going to do menopausal hormone therapy in perimenopause, but it's absolutely a viable option and it works to alleviate symptoms uh, so much of the time. And the other big bonus about this is that as you now go through the perimenopause transition, you are set up for success once you are through menopause, which is actually the day, it's been 12 months of no periods, and then into your postmenopausal life. And so it really does set you up for success, right? We make sure you know so much more about your body, you know what hormones felt good, and you know, the, the truth of the matter is that there are actually other ways to treat perimenopausal symptoms that are not hormone therapy. There are non-hormonal options. There are lifestyle options. There are, you know, so many different techniques that you can incorporate into your life that can also help you through the perimenopause transition. Now, why on my show I focus so much on the medication and the hormonal uses because like, obviously, duh, that's what I like to talk about. And I feel like that's the information that's a little bit harder to find. And you might have a doctor who kind of just says, nope, I'm not going to do that. Or no, I don't believe in that. Those are things that I hear all the time. So a lot of this is really to just arm you with knowledge of, especially if you are interested in hormone therapy. Um, certainly, again, you were seeing a lot more on social media about the benefits of hormone therapy and replacing estradiol and progesterone, particularly with our FDA-approved bioidentical options, all of which, again, we do at MIDI, but there are many NAMS doctors. Uh, you can find going to menopause.org and see if there's also a NAMS doctor near you if obviously you want to come to Midian. We're not in your state yet. Um, and I also actually have a course on helping you uh, put together your exact regimen in perimenopause. And I help support my students with a lot of lives and Q&As. You can always check that out if you're interested and you just want like a super deep dive into this. You're like, I want to be a student of this. Um, we have a lot of fun over there. 
So there's lots of different things we could do in perimenopause. You know, there's different forms of birth control pills. There is postmenopausal hormone therapy, be it progesterone or an estrogen patch or progesterone and an estrogen patch combined. There are some women who actually just do estrogen before their period. And we don't have them on a progesterone because they're using their estrogen uh, just, you know, seven days out of the month. And we know they're actually still making enough progesterone because they're cycling. I have plenty of patients who also do that. You can use a vaginal estrogen, a suppository, a cream. There's even rings. There's set it and forget it rings. So there's lots and lots of different options in perimenopause. That's what I want you to walk away with, knowing that there's actually a lot of things that we can do to treat you and that there is no medal or award for sticking out your tough symptoms. And the reality probably is, is it just might set you back. Anyways, I love you guys so much. The support for this show has grown and grown and grown and grown. Um, I think we hit, you know, 200,000 downloads in uh, 2022. Um, I almost up to a quarter of a million views on YouTube. If you don't follow me over on YouTube, it's Health by Heather Hirsch. And I just am so honored so many of you choose to put me in your earbuds. I have some of my favorite podcasts as well. I love listening to financial podcasts, especially um, women-centered financial podcasts. And you know, every once in a while, force myself to listen to one of my own shows um, just to kind of get the quality, kind of remind myself what I said. And I'm just thankful you guys listen to me in your earbuds. So thank you guys so much for being wonderful listeners. If you like the show, please leave a star or review and I will see you next week for a brand new episode. Bye everyone. If I haven't already done so, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to my show. Consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. Also, if you love the show, your stars or a quick review could really help other women who are searching for information on menopause and midlife around the globe find this show. If you want to work with me, consider the Reclaiming Menopause Masterclass. The link for that is in the description to this show. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart for all your support, and I'll see you next week for a brand new episode. Good.